Awesome. Awesome worship set this morning. Loved every single song. Talking about Jesus building his church and being a house of miracles and building our life on Jesus. Man, so excited to be with you guys. We are in the fourth week of our exponential series, and it has been an exponential month. For those of you joining online and in person, you guys know that we just got in contract on our first new building to own. That's some pretty exponential stuff, right? We're so excited about that. We are trailing into also week three of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And man, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road with prayer and fasting, Week one, we've got lots of excitement. Week two, we're starting to see the benefits of it. Week three, encourage you guys, let's stay disciplined and let's continue to enjoy this focused time of prayer. I've heard from many of you guys that some of the things that you have given up, you're not really looking forward to bringing back into your life. Like, I don't really miss Instagram or, man, I guess I don't really need to eat all that sugar or whatever it might be. So, um, man, we're expecting God's continue exponential this year and as we continue to trail out the, the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, so as we started off every um, Sunday in this series, let's take a look at our foundational scripture for this series. In Ephesians 3, 21 through 22, it says, Now to him, God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so as we've gone through this series, we've kind of taken this scripture bit by bit to talk about it. Week one, we talked about dream bigger. God is the God of super abundantly above. We zoomed in on that phrase in the scripture, exceedingly abundantly above, and just kind of chewed on that week one like, wow, God is able to do a lot more than we're experiencing. We need to dream bigger. Then week two, we zoomed into the ask or think. Pastor Eric did an awesome message on the secret sauce of the exponential life, and it's prayer. Prayer is our secret sauce. God wants us to come to him and ask. Then last week, Pastor Eric, we talked about um, the phrase, according to the power at work within us. And we talked about the, the exponential impact of daily spiritual habits. Today, we're going to zoom in on that last part of the scripture. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus. Today, we're talking about the exponential impact of togetherness, of oneness as a church. And I'm so excited to share with you guys. Um, you know, I've been baking in this message all weekend. We're going to start off this morning talking quite theologically talking quite a bit about what do we believe about God. But we're going to end very practically. So I don't want you to tune out. If you're more of a practical person, don't tune out on this beginning part that's very much more leaning theological about what do we believe about God because when we really lean into that, the implications and the meaningfulness and the exponential impact of the practical application is so much more powerful. You know, at the end of 2021, we went through a Running with the Giants series, and we, we learned through experience that God works through individuals. We saw story after story of individuals who believed God and God did awesome things in their life. And we learned through that series that it takes that God can do great things through one person, that God has purpose and a plan and a calling for each of us in one prayer, one expression of faith, 
One person believing God can change a lot. Today, we're zooming into an additional angle on that. If God can do a lot with one person, he can have exponential impact through a body of people operating as one. So this morning, I'm going to use a lot of words interchangeably. We're going to talk about oneness and unity and togetherness and community. And for the sake of this morning, all of those words have the same meaning in this topic of the power of togetherness. So let's pray, and then we're going to zoom in and kind of zoom out and get the big picture theologically on this topic. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word that transforms us. We We come with open hearts. We come eager to hear from your word. Lord, transform us. Our our mind is alert. Our heart is alert to what you want to do in and through us all individually. I believe you've got an individual word for each and every one of us this morning, and I believe that you have a collective word for all of us this morning as well. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing as we grapple with this topic of the exponential power of togetherness, let's take a look at this first truth, the truth that God shows the exponential value of togetherness by he himself choosing to live in Trinity community. It's a long phrase. Let's chew on that for a minute. God shows the value of unity or oneness or community togetherness by the fact that he himself chose to express himself in the midst of community within the Trinity. Let's talk about that. God could have set up the ecosystem of the universe in any way. He could have been one dictator. God is supreme authority. He is supreme truth. God is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all. None of us would be here without him, but yet in in example after example, he chooses to work through community. He chooses to work through oneness. God has chosen to live himself in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one, but they are three separate persons. Just like H2O is one with three separate expressions, liquid, you know, water, steam, and ice. It's all H2O, but it's all three different expressions of H2O. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God in three different expressions of one. God is three in one. God is plural persons operating as a singular God. You guys understand what I'm talking about when I said a lot of theology at the beginning? Don't, don't, don't hop off the train yet. And this is truly mind-blowing, right? Those of us that have been in church for a long time, it's still mind-blowing. <clears throat> and if that does not show the exponential value and power of community, then I don't know what does. If we ever wondered the kind of God that we serve, just this truth about God is paradigm shifting. The fact that he chooses not to be a one-man show, he is one God in community. The fact that he gives us freedom to be in relationship with him, which we're going to talk about in the second point. The fact that he chooses to live in community with us, his creation, 
shows what kind of relational God he is. Let's take a look at a couple of scriptures that talks about this unity within the Trinity. Genesis 1, 26, 27, the very first chapter of the Bible. Then God said, let us make man in our image. We see God being referred to in the plural pronoun of us in our According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. And so God created man is in his own image, one image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are in unity. They have singular identity, and they have singular image. All throughout the Old Testament, you know, um, the Israelites lived in a culture that there was lots of, lots of many gods. There's the God of rain and the God of fertility and the God of everything. Over and over, all throughout scripture, you see this phrase, um, the Lord our God is one. You see that in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God is one. From the very beginning, God wanted to, or, or I'm losing it. The Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Then another scripture that talks about this is in John 16, 13 through 15. It says, where we see all three of them operating together as one. However, when he, the spirit of truth, referring to the Holy Spirit, has come, he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but we, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Goes on to say, he will glorify me, Jesus is talking. So the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. He will take of what is mine. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is taking of what is mine and declaring it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. So Jesus is saying, and everything that I have is the Father's. Therefore, I say that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying in the scripture, hey, we all share all things. There's, there is authority structure within the Trinity. God the Father is at the top of the authority line within the Trinity. Everything comes from him. But they share all things. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks something to us, it's from God, not just the Holy Spirit. And this can, this can, um, this can sound a little outlandish, <clears throat> this theology of the oneness of God. But when you bring it on to an earthly example, it makes a lot more sense. Um, in Ephesians 5, Scripture talks about how marriage is the best example on earth of God's desire for oneness with Christ in the church. And so when you think about it in terms of a marriage, for example, an Eric and I's marriage, I usually have the responsibility of gift giving. And coming out of Christmas season, I feel like I just left a part-time job. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? Um, so Eric and I, we share one bank account. Everything goes into one bank account. We make decisions together about how we are going to spend our money. I am the one that usually goes and buys the gift. I'm usually the one that wraps the gift. But when we give the gift, it's from both of us. You guys tracking? Because we are one. And so, yeah, Eric has a little bit more oversight of the bank accounts, and I have a little bit more oversight on the decision-making process of the gift. But when we give the gift to our kids for their birthday or when we give a gift to someone, it is from the oneness of our marriage. Does that make sense? That's how God operates 
from the oneness of the Trinity, everything happens. In the same way that the one, from the oneness of a marriage, things like that happen. You guys tracking? Oh, so that's not that crazy, right? Um, all right, so this, this truth is a lot to chew on, right? So we're chewing on the fact that God um, expresses the exponential value of togetherness by he himself choosing to live in Trinity community. And we could be chewing on that for the rest of our life. That's a lot to chew on, right? And so that's, that's mind-blowing and paradigm-shifting, that God operates within community. And he has chosen to operate that way. He could have done it a lot of different ways, but he chose to operate that way. And what's maybe even more mind-blowing is that God wants that kind of oneness, that kind of community with us. The next truth that we can chew on this morning on the topic of exponential impact of togetherness is, that, is this, that God invites us into oneness with him so that his exponential can be within us. Oneness, singular identity, oneness of values and visions and behaviors. In God's goodness and wisdom, he chose to frame himself in the context of community within the Trinity. He has also chosen to give us free will, which is mind-blowing and good, right? Because he has desired to have relationship with us. God desires to have oneness, togetherness, community with us. And he could have, he didn't have to do it that way, right? We were in the basics classes right now in the month of January, and we've got basics 101 going on, and we've got basics 301 of prayer going on. And over and over, a theme in this class has been this topic of asking God, that God desires to have relationship and community and oneness with us so much that he has limited his power on earth to be able to co-labor with us, that there's certain things that don't happen on earth unless we ask. Um, John Wesley explains it so beautifully in this quote where he says, it seems like God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says it this way. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Other translations say that we are co-workers, co-laborers with Christ. God, the, the mind-blowing truth that God wants to work with us. God has chosen to work together with us in community. And not in a master-servant relationship but in a co-laboring, relational. If, if, if all of this doesn't scream God is relational, I don't know what does. God wants relationship. He is such, we serve such a relational God that so desperately wants to be unified with his creation. I mentioned this scripture earlier, but here. Here is the actual text, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. It says, as scripture says, Male shall leave, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. The church here is referring to believers, believers across the globe. 
in the same way that a husband and wife are two separate lives that come together as one. That's the same exact thing that God desires for him and us as believers to be unified in one, as one in the same way that a really healthy marriage is unified as one. 1 Corinthians goes as far as 1 Corinthians 6:17 goes as far to say it this way. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. What? These are wild statements, right? Like if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, this sounds outlandish that we could have this kind of union, this kind of oneness with our creator. God is so good. And he wants relationship with us so much. And you might be asking, how practically does this oneness happen? Like, how exactly can we have oneness with God? Again, I'll use um, marriage as an example. It's the way that scripture tries to explain this in earthly terms, right? For a husband and a wife who have been married for a really long time, and have really served each other well and humbled themselves. You know, scripture says, submit one to another. So married couples that have been together for a long time and for the entirety of their marriage have endeavored to selflessly submit one to another. Over many years, they start to, we, um, Gary Thomas has some marriage curriculum that we use sometimes in premarital that talks about oftentimes it takes a decade. Oftentimes the oneness in, in practicality, the oneness of marriage doesn't happen, like the oneness emotionally doesn't happen right away after the wedding day. The oneness of heart, um, Gary Thomas says, often takes a decade, usually around the 10-year mark. If you've been married for 10 years, You've had enough time together to start to actually operate as one. Oftentimes, the first couple years of marriage, it's like the opposite because you're trying to figure out how in the world are we supposed to operate as one, right? But for two, for a husband and wife who have been married for many years, who have selflessly loved and served one another for many years, oftentimes you will see a really healthy marriage like that, that they just have a oneness. They have a oneness of vision. We have shared vision. Like we see the same thing. When you hear one person talk about the marriage, it's an echo of what the other person would say. They have shared values. They value the same thing. They spend their money on the same thing because they have become one. They have shared behaviors and they they talk the same way. Sometimes they even start looking the same way, right? (laughs) There is this oneness that that develops over time between a husband and wife. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives within us immediately upon salvation. But it's over time that we yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and we yield to this oneness. So how practically do you operate in this togetherness with God It happens by spending time together and talking together every single day, right? It happens by daily humbling ourselves before the Lord, his kingdom come his way, not our way, right? It comes from daily renewing our mind to the word of God, daily being in the Bible. 
It comes from daily spending time in prayer and talking with the Lord. It comes from daily responding and obeying the leadings and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then it doesn't feel like such a foreign concept to be one with the Father, be one with the Lord. Um, you know, a lot of times, um, just because a husband and a wife are married doesn't mean that there's oneness within the marriage, right? And just because we're believers doesn't mean we're operating in oneness with God. It takes us humbling ourselves daily to really operate in this. I think the, I think the heart of God is so clearly revealed in this study. I want to spend one more, a little bit more time on this last, this last thing. <clears throat> God desires to move exponentially through us, the church, when we have oneness in heart and oneness in place. You guys see how we're building here? God the Father, he's such a good father, he doesn't expect something from us that he himself doesn't do. God lives in community within the Trinity. God desires us to live in oneness and community with him individually. And then his heart is that us as the church, us as believers globally, Locally, churches all within Livingston County and us together collectively as a live family church, that we would have oneness of heart and oneness of place. We see a scripture that I'll go to in a minute where Jesus is praying moments before he's betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the thing that he's praying about is this topic we've been talking about all morning, oneness and unity and love of believers. Let's take a look at the scripture. This is literally like one of the last words that Jesus prayed before he's taken away to be crucified. He's praying in the garden, and he says this. Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about the current disciples, you know, the, the 11 disciples at that point. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he was praying 2,000 years ago for us, that they all may be one. Just as you, Jesus is saying, just like you and I are one, Father, and I and you, that they may be one together in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So here Jesus is praying that believers, us, in our relationship with one another, would operate as one in the same way that God the Father and God the Son operate in one. Well, that's a lot of oneness. I mean, it's a challenge just to operate as one with your spouse, but now you're telling me to operate as one with the whole collective body of believers? Operating in one with an awareness of our position in Christ. God desires, first of all, that global believers, local believers, and then within each body that he has ordained, operate as one in heart and in place. I can see, you know, when you, when you see this emphasis of oneness all throughout all the different layers of scripture, you can see how much God cares about unity, how much he hates division, how much he hates gossip. You know, there's, certain, there's a scripture that talks about the seven things that God despises, it's these kinds of things because he loves unity. God loves oneness. 
You see in Psalm 133, 1 and 3, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant is it for brethren, for believers, to dwell together in unity. For there, the scripture goes on to say, For there, in that place of unity, the Lord commands his blessing. Talking about the exponential impact of oneness, togetherness, community. This is an example of that. God's saying, hey, when I see a church dwelling together in unity, when I see the believers throughout Livingston County dwelling together in unity, supporting one another up, man, I just exponentially command my blessing in that place. God cares about it a lot. Then we see an example of exponential power released through oneness in the opposite direction, through the Tower of Babel. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 11, there was a group of people who all shared one language that decided to um, build this tower to reach heaven. And it was, it was a bad vision. It wasn't the right motive. But they were unified, and nothing was going to be impossible for them. You see, in Genesis 11:6, And the Lord said, Indeed, referring to the people of Babel, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing that they propose will be withheld from them. So at this moment, the scripture goes on to say, so God confused their language. That's where, that's a moment in history where all of a sudden the earth had more than one language. Because if God didn't do that, they would have destroyed themselves. But these people had fierce unity. They had fierce oneness about language, oneness about vision. They were totally united, and nothing was impossible for them. Imagine this type of fierce unity and, and oneness going in the right direction. Here at Alive, here in the community that God has planted us in. Man, Eric and I sense so much that as a church family, we are on the cusp of an exponential season. And we believe that there is an expression, a power of God's exponential power that will be released the more that we become unified in heart, in place. It's all super exciting. And um, I want to close with this, this tension because we see throughout Scripture when God is talking in, in the New Testament Scriptures, that's talking about the unity of the early church, it was twofold. It was unity of heart. They were in one accord. They had unity of vision, but they also had unity of place. And we are living in a really interesting time where unity of place doesn't always mean being in the same physical space. Because you guys joining us online, you guys have unity of heart as we're talking about this, but you're not physically here, right? And so it's a, di it's a dimension that hasn't really been a reality until this moment in time. And as one of your pastors this morning, and this is an area Eric and I have unity in marriage, but also as pastors and as pastors, you know, an interchangeable word for pastor in, in the Bible is shepherd. And it gives this imagery of a leader making sure the sheep are going in the right direction. And this is an area that we have had a burden to just communicate and, and throw awareness to. You know, part of the vision of the church, one part of the vision of the church is to be a mouthpiece for God. We come to church to, to hear the teaching of the word. 
as adults and as kids that are going to experience in second service. The church is a, is a mouthpiece for God. It's where the word, one of the major places in the world that the word of God goes forth. And that's powerful and that's impactful. And honestly, that's part of the church that does translate online. We're so glad you guys online are hearing the word right now. Because when the word of God goes forth, it does not come back void, regardless of the medium. You could listen to this podcast five years from now, and the word of God has the same impact, right? Which is amazing. And we are so excited to continue to lean into the ways that we can get the word of God out through technology, online services. We want to get the basics classes more online. We are pro-online technology. We think there's great impact and outreach for it. That's one part of the church. When you're online, you do get the same content. You do get the same word of God, which is transformational. But that's not the only purpose of the church, right? Another huge part of the purpose of the church is that the church would be a community. That the church would be a people group that operate as a family, as a body. We're referred to as the bride of Christ. And that's one part of church that doesn't translate online. You can talk in the, in the chat room and everything, but there's something about being in physical proximity with people. We all know the limitations of Zoom. We all know the limitations of online. You know, oftentimes, online church and online dating can be paralleled, where you can get to know someone pretty well online through an online dating app or something. But if you want the relationship to continue to grow, eventually at some point you have to meet in person, right? And so we want to encourage you guys. We know there's a lot of stuff going on with COVID, right? And a lot of different things happening, but there's something about the, the theology of the incarnation of God. What does incarnation mean? It means that God came in the literal flesh to be with us. There's something about being face-to-face in physical proximity together that is what family, where the family relationship, the, that aspect of church can happen. So we want to charge you as your pastors, if you've only been attending online for the last two years, we really encourage you, find a way that you can get in person. Maybe you're not comfortable with the the large gathering on Sunday morning, but it's so critical for our health to be in flesh, person-to-person community. So we've got the, the winter small groups happening. Find a small group to be a part of because we have to have a rhythm of gathering in person with believers, right? Or maybe you've just gotten in the habit of attending online only. We want to encourage you to find a rhythm in your schedule to make it some kind of weekly or monthly habit to get in person for the relationships. Amen. We see this example in Acts 2.1, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to earth. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and they were all in one place exponential power of God released on the day of Pentecost when there was unity of heart they were in one accord they were in unity but they were also all in one physical location 
We're talking about the impact of togetherness. We're talking about the impact of oneness. Another scripture in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking assembling ourselves together as, the man, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. So this scripture, go ahead and keep the scripture on the screen. The scripture is saying, don't forsake assembling together. And the context of that is for the purpose of relationship, for the purpose of community, that we might be in relationship so that we can stir one another up in love, that we can stir one another up in good works. There's accountability and there's strength when we come together in unity. Um, a couple Sundays ago, back at the beginning of December, our oldest daughter had a nutcracker performance and we had some illness going on in the family. And so I stayed home with the kids that Sunday morning. We were home. Eric was here. We watched online. <laughs> we were driving through downtown Brighton on a Sunday morning on the way to the Brighton Performing Arts to drop off Ella for the Nutcracker. And downtown Brighton was packed. A lot of people were brunching. And my heart broke, and I said out loud, I said, oh, man, I wish these people were in church on Sunday morning. And one of my kids says, oh, Mom, you can be a Christian without going to church. I said, you can. You absolutely can. That just like you can be a basketball player without being on a team, when you're on a team, it's a whole bunch more fun. And when you're on a team, you get a lot better because you're being challenged by your teammates. Thought it was a good illustration of the power of relationship of community as we come together as a church. We're talking about the exponential power of oneness. God so wants that he exemplifies the value of it through the Trinity. He wants oneness with us individually, and he so desperately wants us as the church to be unified as one. Church, we're so excited for what the Lord has, but there's a new level of oneness and unity that we can walk in to experience the exponential power of God in our midst. So God shows us the exponential value of togetherness by he himself choosing to live in Trinity. God invites us into oneness with him so that his exponential can be with us. And God desires to move exponentially through us, the church, when we have oneness of heart and oneness of place. Like we've been doing all month, we're going to go into a time of response this morning. And I want to encourage you, we're going to go back into that Build My Life song. I want to encourage you, you know, sometimes we rush out so quickly that there's a lot to chew on. As we go into this time of worship and prayer, and those of you joining online, would you reflect in your heart, God, am I one with you? God, am I fully abiding in you? Are your vision, is your vision my vision? Are your values my values? How can I be more one with you? Maybe you're in a marriage, how can I be more one with my spouse? as you desire. How can I operate more in oneness and unity? Would you guys stand up? Let's worship together. And then we'll continue. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.